The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Brian Scott Rippey coming up shortly. And today's guest on the Modern Woman phone line, it's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. Before we get started, let me tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Coming up here shortly on the Modern Woodman phone line, it's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. Just to get an update where things stand, he's coming up shortly. What's up, man? How you doing? Not much. Did you pitch him my idea or tell him to pitch my idea to Sankey? I did ask him about 
potential neutral site games. I didn't attribute it to you, but I did ask him about that. All he said was all options are on the table effectively. Yeah, I mean, if that game steam, that gains steam, I'm going to have to start tossing around cease and desist, but we'll just see where it goes. <laughs> we'll just see. Hashtag pay Brian Scott Rippey. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's Hashtag. get that off the ground. Yeah. What have you been up to, man? Really nothing. I'm hitting a, uh, hitting a little like golf, golf weekend this weekend uh, with a couple guys. We're going to play somewhere and uh, like right around Muscle Shoals. Uh, but just kind of everything else of the pandemic, that's about the only thing you can do, right? So you went to Batesville not too long ago. I thought you were going to do a story for us on the spirit about South Panola. You haven't done it yet. I was kind of poking around at that. Still in progress. You went looking for Tony Connor too. Did you ever find him? No. If anyone out there knows where he is, please, uh, please give me a holler. Uh, like Twitter, whatever. Probably not throwing my number out on the podcast, but we'll, we'll figure something out. No, the man's a ghost. I cannot find him. It's really strange. He's disappeared. Well, it was like, it was uh, when I first started kicking around the idea to you, like you were like, yeah, it can't be that hard to find him. And I was like, all right, well, help me out. Like if you can talk to anyone, and we like reconvened a week later. And I was like, can you find him? No. Well, neither can I. I don't, yeah. I don't know where he is. The man's a ghost. He's a ghost. Armani Linton's now working for Brennan Chapman at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Cody Pro awesome. was working at a car dealership in Olive Branch, and now he's working still in Memphis somewhere, but I, I don't know where Cody is. I would love to catch up with all those guys from the really good teams. Back when Ole Miss football, it was humming and it was going well. They did have a bunch of really good players on that team that just, for what various reasons, just kind of never really panned out at the next level. That's kind of interesting for a defense that was that good. I always thought that Cody would stick just because of who he was and how he played. And if he had to adapt to a special teams role, he fit a lot like a Brandon Bolden to me. But Cody never worked out. I would like to know where those guys are, a lot of those guys. And you look across those rosters, man, there are so many different people. A lot of them are in coaching now. Bo's in coaching. Emmanuel McCray's in coaching. It was nice to catch up with Marche recently. Now, that wasn't that group of kids, but back when um, Ole Miss was going to the back-to-back Cotton Bowls for the first time in 50 years, 50. Marche, big part of it. I tried to get Dexter, actually communicated with Dexter, and then when it was time to do it, he was nowhere to be found. Sinquez is doing some different like entrepreneurial type stuff on the coast. I, I stay in touch with him every now and again. Reach out to Sinquez. Get him back on this podcast. He's been on this podcast before, but reach out to him. That's a good one. For sure. We've got to figure it out because we don't know what football is going to be. We don't know what it's going to look like. I think that we're getting close maybe a week or so out from a decision being made one way or the other for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of getting down to that time. I you think like we talked about the whole like it was supposed to be early July thing. Do you think that was just kind of like they figured more stuff would be certain by then when they set that date? Because in all actuality, when you talked about a drop dead date, like you probably it just needed to be a month to five weeks out, which is where we're about to approach. Like that always seemed like the last resort to me, even before they were talking about like, yeah, we'll know something first couple weeks of July. Yeah, and I think they're putting a lot more faith than most of us are at this point in our elected officials statewide and nationally. Don't want to get into all that, but it will be nice to know where we're headed, where we're headed one way or the other, and how almost deals with it. And I talked to Keith about the budget and where things stand as far as furloughs and pay cuts and all that kind of stuff. That's a reality of it. We'll see. I don't know. But what's going on right now with Ole Miss? I know that recently, maybe yesterday, picked up a kicker commitment. They did. So Jack Tannehill decommits, and then they add another kicker, what, like 45 minutes later? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. 
Yeah. You'll see a lot of kicker recruiting drama very often, so you got to lap it up when you can get it. What happened is Ole Miss has the mayor's son committed well over a year and then turn around and commit this Caden Costa within 45 minutes. And it shows you, okay, look, Tannehill's a good kicker. When you sign up for Lane Kiffin, you're getting the whole experience. Lane Kiffin is here to do what Lane Kiffin wants to do. I think that's pretty clear by not being in town very much (laughs) for a lot of his players and and big-name players not getting much face time with him, barely knowing the guy right now. This pandemic hit and Lane was gone. But Lane in recruiting, oh, the mayor's son is the kicker commitment. I don't care. Is he any good? I like this other kid better. And just cold-blooded, man. I mean, you yep. can say it's a mutual parting of ways, but that means that they cut the kid. I know that they didn't have any real communication with them ever since they got here. They had the other one lined up. I mean, Caden yeah. Costa, who with that name could have gotten into Jackson Prep. But, like, clearly they had that lined up. And then, obviously, once he was ready to commit, I guess is kind of when you – guess ousted the attrition or whatever the case may be but they have a bunch of like walk-ons on the roster not that that really matters but we were talking to, i was doing something the other day and looking up like like is luke logan gonna keep his job essentially is what i went into looking up and there's a bunch of kickers on the roster i've just never heard any of them there's no way any other ones are on scholarship it was you or it was suited one i can't remember texting me about kickers is luke logan really gonna be the kicker this year yeah yeah that really was- oh, okay it was you and the response was, who else is there? I mean, Luke Logan is a competent kicker. Just doesn't have much leg to him. And Ole Miss fans, you were spoiled. Be honest. Because you had Andrew Ritter, who was good friend of the pod here, but inaccurate in many respects. But he had the biggest leg you can possibly have. And he will always have that LSU game. And uh, Gary Wunderlich was true and true as a kicker. He was great. Luke Logan is just neither one of those guys that have the type of leg for it. But damn it if Matt Luke did not consistently settle for field goals, like not even thinking that more likely than not, this isn't going to be successful. Matt did not care about playing the math. He cared more about just playing it straight, even with a kicker who wasn't particularly reliable. Luke Logan wasn't good last year. I can't believe we're talking about kickers, but here we are. There's some kicker drama on Tuesday. The mayor's son is not going to be an Ole Miss Rebel. He's got an offer from Memphis. And 45 minutes later, I mean, that's just, that's set up. That's set up. You know what you're doing. You're not cutting the kid, but you're letting him go elsewhere saying, you're not our kicker, and you're laying this cost to kid. That's what you have to do as a coach in football. You have to have your own recruiting evaluations, your own coaching evaluations. Same deal when he was filling out a staff, and everybody's talking about, well, will he keep Mike McIntyre? Will he keep this guy? Keep this guy? No, he's ready to cut pretty much everybody. And he would have cut everybody, but he needed a Mississippi recruiter on staff. Derek Nix decided, hey, I can be a wide receivers coach. And he's here. And then added two more, obviously, from across the state. Yeah. And, you know, the thing with Logan is just like you mentioned not much leg to him, but like you got to be pretty much nails from inside 40 if that's the case. And from inside 40, he was, what, 10 of 13, which I guess isn't terrible, but you pretty much ought to be automatic when you're going to be one of six from outside 40. He was one of six from outside 40? Correct. One of four from 40 to 49, and obviously 0 of two from 50 plus. Why are you even settling or attempting 50-yard field goals with a guy you know can't make those? Well, because when you get a chance to go to overtime with Vanderbilt in 2018 with no bowl game on the line, you got to kick it. That's the game that frustrated me more than any game under Matt Luke, that game. I never understood the strategy. You had nothing to play for. And the most dangerous thing about a team like that is they could do whatever the hell they want. 
And yet Matt Luke played it straight right by the book until the very last horn sounded on his tenure as Ole Miss football coach. Even when Elijah Moore scores the touchdown. On the road, in the Egg Bowl, you're playing to tie. He kicks it and makes it the extra point. It's tied. Why? Why? You're going to have a losing season. So why would you not go for two? I do look forward to that under Lane Kiffin. He doesn't care about traditional thought in regards to strategy, on-field strategy. When Lane Kiffin makes his calls, it's based on the math, probability, the odds. Seven points is always better than three points. So forgive me if on fourth and two you think from the 24-yard line, Ole is going for it on fourth and two. They should be kicking a field goal. Lane Kiffin's going to go for it a lot more. A lot more. And it won't be because he's trying to develop a riverboat gambler deal like Tommy Tuberville. No, it'll actually be based in fact in math. The odds tell you that converting there, ultimately going on to score, gives you a better chance to, of winning than settling for a field goal. So maybe Luke yeah, Logan, it doesn't matter who your field goal kicker is. Even if Luke Logan is just who he was last year, the times they actually kick field goals might actually serve him okay. Yeah, like you can't tell me that's not going to be in the back of his mind either when he's deciding, should I go for it this time or should I kick the field goal? And obviously you just laid out like how it's more of a statistics and probability based approach. But like you can't tell me that's not going to be in the back of his mind as well, that he's got a kicker that pretty much from outside of 40 yards is probably not making any kicks. Yeah, so I mean, that that's definitely going to factor into it too. And then the first part of what we were talking about I always found interesting with the whole Luke never kind of harnessing the we can't go to a bowl game, we have nothing to lose, let's just go balls to the walls for the lack of a better phrase. The only game I ever felt like that ever happened in his tenure was the 17 Egg Bowl. And it's not that they even called the game any differently. There just seemed to be an air about the team. Maybe it was like the whole revenge thing, and that's kind of when the whole rivalry peaked. And not to get all into that again, but to me, that was the only game in his entire like tenure where that that energy about like basically just F it, we're here, let's win tonight was the only time I ever felt that. And again, it did, wasn't even really rooted in the fact that they called the game more aggressively. Maybe Longo is just a little more aggressive by nature, but that was really the only time I ever kind of felt that from that team, if that makes any sense at all. And it was because it was Mississippi State. And yeah, absolutely. Matt Luke had a visceral feeling towards Mississippi State and winning that game. It shouldn't provoke your old school mentality of we always got to beat State to pull out the win at all stops kind of deal. You had nothing to play for outside of just winning the games. It had been fun. The air in that stadium that night was so bizarre. I've never felt an atmosphere like that before. And I don't even mean like electric. I just meant like weird weird tension it's hard to even i don't even have a really way to like describe it in words but just the vibe of that game that night was just very very strange he just kept getting opportunity after opportunity on fourth and short to go for it and he would kick it's just and also aj brown caught that ball i will go to my grave saying aj brown caught that ball it's the classic – I mean, it's the same thing as the Devs thing. I guess you've kind of been jobbed by this twice on both levels of football that you watch and I guess in this case cover. But, like, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's a catch but the rule's really stupid, so I guess by the letter of the rule it's not. But it was. Which one he, are you referring to now, A.J. Brown's? A.J. Brown caught the ball, two feet in, had control, went to the ground, then he lost control. There is no such rule in college football like the Des Bryant rule. 
I've experienced both sides of it, covering Ole Miss and seeing it, and then Dez heartbreakingly being ruled incomplete against the Packers when the uh, Cowboys were going in to win. That was the best chance the Cowboys had because that was a Super Bowl winning team. Of course, DeMarco Murray's fumble was far greater than Dez's non-catch, which was a catch, but still, I've seen it both ways. The rules are stupid. If you have possession, two hands, control, feet down, it's a catch. What happens once you go to the ground doesn't matter. A ground can't cause a fumble. Been a rule forever. The ground can't cause a fumble. So why can it cause a fumble or result in a non-catch? What? How does that make sense? College football rules. Football rules in general are arbitrary and dumb. I would like to be arguing about that, though, rather than whether or not we're going to get a season. So, Kicker drama on Tuesday has brought us to the 16-minute mark of Talk of Champions. That's just, just remarkable. Doesn't happen often. Like I said, you got to soak it in when you can get it. A lot of kicker, kicker drama, infighting, whatever you want to call it. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions. But first, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. There was a daily debate on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, on Tuesday. My buddy David Johnson, he does it pretty regularly. He raised an interesting question. Could Grant Tisdale or Ken K. Dent provide an August surprise in the quarterback competition, assuming that Ole Miss is practicing in preparation for a season? Tisdale is the classic example of like the message boards and the fans like liking him because he's in that same boat as the other two but never really got much of an opportunity. So you saw both 
quarterbacks last year never really kind of established themselves as like the incumbent starter, I guess, or or take the job from the other one. So it's kind of like, well, why not try the third guy? You know, he has a hundred percent career completion percentage, one for one. Like, so I don't know, but he does throw a pretty ball. That's about all I can add because we haven't seen anything from Grant Tisdale. We saw a tiny bit of spring last year, like very minuscule amounts of air drills in camp. And then I was standing right there uh, when he threw that one pass to what was it Jaden or Dennis in Tuscaloosa. And that's literally the only thing he's seen. So like, I don't know what to add here other than, yeah, why not? Let's see, see what he can do. If Grant Tisdale could have helped that staff last year win games, he would have been playing. Okay. But what, I mean, come on, there was a sense. I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but there was such a sense that they so badly wanted Plumlee to be their guy, both Luke and Richrod. And it felt like they were only dangling Matt Corral around basically because what had happened all offseason about them hyping him up as the future of the program. Like if Matt Corral had not entered as like the guy, they would have just scrapped him and gone with Plumlee 100%. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but it just seemed like they wanted it to be Plumlee so bad. Could that have jaded their viewpoint toward Tisdale at all? So I don't think so. Grant Tisdale is somewhat redundant, is he not, to John Rice Plumley? Maybe he's got a little bit of a better arm, but I think they viewed them as pretty similar players. And if that's the case, John Rice Plumley went out there, and regardless of whether or not he can throw, which we still don't know because they wouldn't let him throw, what he was doing with his legs was remarkable. It was record-breaking even for Ole Miss. I just believe if he could have helped them, he would have been helping them. That staff knew there was some pressure. I think they fully believed they were getting another year. They'd be stupid not to. The only word that was coming down from on high was that they were effectively getting another year. And that was late. That was late. Even after the Egg Bowl, the belief was he was getting another year. And the worm turned in those couple of days, and he's gone. And you know all the story of that by now. They knew they needed to win some games, show improvement, because they knew that they did not have a majority, I think, of Ole Miss fans on their side. So Grant Tisdale, if he could have helped them win games, it doesn't matter. There wasn't a loyalty to John Rice Plumley so much as John Rice Plumley showed he can help you win this way. It's unfortunate for Matt Carr because you go back and look at the games that he started. Memphis was bad, but he started to get better. It's unfortunate that he got hurt because he was showing something. And that's Are you the saying they didn't let a young quarterback develop? I know, man. When's the and last the Memphis time? Game- you can't co- you like if you actually watch the Memphis game at what was going on up front. It's really hard to put that on Corral. Yeah, the offensive line was really bad that game, and the play calling was terrible. Bud came off the rose for Rich Rod in the Memphis game, and from that point forward, that dude's just trying to push the rock up the hill with fans because the red flags, the sounding of the alarm, was really early for Rich Rod. It was a terrible hire. The more and more you think about it, what a terrible hire. I mean, I get why he did it. It's a name. There's a little bit of pressure from Ross Bjork to make it happen. But Ole Miss would have been better served without Rich Rod. Because Rich Rod pigeonholed a system from 2008 into the 2019 season. It was a disaster. Outside of what he's always been good at, running quarterbacks, and John Rice was great, but they didn't trust him to throw the ball. We've been through all this before, but just think about how detrimental it was and why Ole Miss is in this predicament with his quarterbacks. When you're running, it was John Rice. When you're throwing, it was Matt Corral. Man, that's what you do in video games. That's the kind of crap that any of us would do if we were coaching. 
I mean, they had to know that they were telegraphing what they were doing. Regardless of the look that you're giving a defense, they know because of the quarterback what you're going to be doing this play, throw or run. And if they can prepare for that, they can eliminate half of their defensive playbook and go toward just the look that they're seeing. That's nuts. So if Grant Tisdale was the best combination, <laughs> it's ridiculous. If Grant Tisdale was the best combination of the two, and he could have avoided that for you, he'd have played. I don't believe that Grant Tisdale is going to be the quarterback. I think Grant Tisdale, if he ever hopes to start at Ole Miss, it'll be not this year and not the year after that, but the year after that. Effectively, they won't be able to recruit anybody better than him in all his years in the system. He'll get one year. Down. Yeah, and produce a really good season. Be like a Blake Sims in that respect. Because John uh, Rice is the quarterback. So he's your starter uh, day one whenever day one is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Corral did get a raw deal. We've already rehashed all that. What's funny about that, you're talking about Richrod being a bad hire. There was a real narrative like around from like more national people than, than people around here that, well, like – if Matt Luke doesn't work out, then Rich Rodriguez or Mike <laughs> McIntyre is right there waiting to take over. Can you imagine? It was the debate. To sell it someone was a, on the fact that Rich Rodriguez should be the head coach. Yeah, it was the debate that we had on this podcast before, and and I gave Matt Luke credit. I said, "Hey, man, good on you for going out there and hiring two guys that could effectively replace you if things turn poorly." By the end of the year, if that situation had come about, there was only one guy on that staff that could have competently taken over for Matt Lucas, head coach. And maybe would have been an improvement. And that's Mike McIntyre. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Rich Rodriguez, as the head coach of Ole Miss, man, were we sold a bill of goods. And I, I feel like we get sold a bill of goods way too much at Ole Miss. I'm talking about media, fans, everybody. And I think that's why the fan base is somewhat fractured as it is, even with Lane Kiffin as head coach. There's not much trust out there. And I think that that lack of trust is what has led to some criticism you've seen of Lane Kiffin not being in town all that much during this pandemic, right? Agreed. Been burned a lot. Yeah, or where Ole Miss is in recruiting. Think about what happened in February. All these guys Ole Miss was in on, and they got none of them. Ole Miss fans have been burned so many times at this point, they don't really have room for benefit of the doubt anymore. And I don't blame them. Which might make this pandemic thing weird, right? Because if they just just say we go, they go to a ten game non or a conference season, excuse me, like we talked about this, I think earlier on one of your pods, I think it was a mailbag thing where we were basically dubbing it as like, well, if they're bad, it's a year zero because of the pandemic. If they're good, then it obviously counts as year one, and you build to the next year. But like you mentioned, Ole Miss fans not having the capacity, and probably rightfully so, with how often they've been burned to give the benefit of the doubt do you think that factors in if they do have a season this year and they stink because in in all actuality in a vacuum everything else not considered it would be really really hard to point it late given the staff and be like man shouldn't have gone four and eight this year or whatever like whatever it is however many games you play because you know they still it's july 30 something and they've yet to have like a real practice i guess other than what they did on the field last week a little bit like it would actually be hard to blame them but to your point like the benefit of the doubt amongst the fan base is uh is not really there, and I don't. I mean, that's really, I guess, no one's fault other than you know people that have been here before. But it could set up for an interesting dynamic. What's scary for Ole Miss and unique to Ole Miss is you do not want your fans to get accustomed to not having football and not being kicked in the dick 
with the most ridiculous outcomes like the Egg Bowl over and over and over again. There's going to be some difficult losses under Lane Kiffin, but he might win some games he's not supposed to. There's enough talent on the roster right now for Lane Kiffin in year one to go win seven games. But you need that this year for recruiting, for morale. There was only one thing when Keith Carter, who's coming up in just a second, was making an assessment after the Egg Bowl about the entire landscape and projecting into the future Ole Miss football. There was only one move he could make to not lose so many in your fan base that you probably don't get back. Now, no one saw the pandemic coming, but from a long-term outlook perspective, he had to do what he had to do. And there was really only one coach, as Ole Miss fans made quite clear, that was going to generate the excitement for you to be able to start to build back that trust and that excitement and belief and hope that Ole Miss football could take the next step. As it did in 2016, one game away from going to Atlanta. All Ole Miss fans want is one trip to Atlanta. That should not be all that difficult. It's not just fans either, just the regular Joe Blow fan. I'm talking about donors and the people that provide the recruiting infrastructure, all those people. There's a lack of excitement right now because they're not getting any football. So anything you got from that, gone. Anything you got from Lane Kiffin, just Lane Kiffin, it's gone. So if you don't have football and you already got a fan base that's been beaten to death, what's so scary about not having a season, particularly for Ole Miss, is those fans becoming accustomed to not having that misery in their life and no hope of it getting better. And that's scary for my business too. Because there's got to be a belief that Ole Miss is making progress. And there was progress when you hired Lane Kiffin. If there's no season and fans get used to that, man, watch season ticket sales. Watch those that don't take the deal of, hey, we're going to keep your money, but you get first right to pick next year in season tickets if there's not a season. And those that say, you know, I'm good. Just give me my money back. Watch. Yeah. Well said. I don't have a ton to add to that other than, please, God, let there be a football season. Yep, yep. The Cayman Islands Classic, Ole Miss men's basketball, was going to the Emerald Coast in November for the 2020 Cayman Islands Classic, a return to that tournament for Ole Miss basketball. But that tournament is now being moved to Niceville, Florida, due to the COVID-19. It's an eight-team tournament. Who's participating in this? Um, Ole Miss... Kansas State, LaSalle, Miami, Nevada, Northern Iowa, Oregon State, Western Kentucky. Over under a 53% chance right now that this tournament gets played. Over. I just just because I don't think Florida's budging on much. And whether there's fans there or not, I don't know. But I think it gets played. Uh, I mean, obviously, I I think smart they moved it out of the Cayman Islands. But I think it's getting played. And uh, who would not want to see Rick Stensbury versus Ole Miss one more time? Anything you're keeping your eyes on in Ole Miss sports this week? No. I mean, honestly, if you want some sort of parallel, I'll keep an eye on over the next week or two just how this whole professional sports thing does because, as we've talked about before, I think that would be a decent indicator of kind of what this college thing is going to look at. Now, obviously, not exactly the same with no bubble thing, but if MLB and NBA, which so far so good, can continue this along successfully, I just wonder how that will change uh, – Maybe the mood, discourse, attitude, whatever you want to call it, about possibly trying to pull this whole college thing off. Last night, the Braves and the Marlins played an exhibition game. It didn't count. 
And the Braves came back from an 8-3 to deficit to win 9-8, to including a walk-off home run for Matt Adams. No fans in the stadium. Piped-in crowd noise. And I enjoyed it. I was good. I was frustrated with Fulte. Angry about Austin Riley's inability. My good friend Austin Riley now, right? Because I met him. In yeah. Florida. My good buddy Austin Riley. I was frustrated because he continues to not be able to lay off outside of the zone sliders. Felt good to care about that stuff for only a night. And that's sports, I was, right? I was about to get to that exact same point that you were getting at. So my Twitter timeline, when it is not just a cesspool of what everything that's wrong with the world and the country, is during, particularly during baseball season, it's a combination of the Major League Baseball beat writers that I follow that I just enjoy, the guys I worked with, which probably fall in the same category, in Cincinnati, and then the, you know, there's a few other sporadic friends, colleagues, whatever, that cover Major League Baseball, and then just a large, large pool of Braves fans. And last night you had everyone retweeting about whatever respective games they were covering, and then a bunch of Braves fans pumped up. They came back in an exhibition game, and all felt right in the world again. It felt like a normal July evening. Yeah, yeah. I was pissed off because Fulty was being Fulty, getting all emotional, tipping his off-speed stuff. And then I thought to myself, this is the stuff I miss talking about. <laughs> this is the stuff I miss caring about. We're belaboring the point, And actually, we're kind of delaying the inevitable. we got to get to Keith because Keith is who you tuned in for. This is Talk of Champions. That's it for Rippy. Thanks, man. See you. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Woodman phone line to talk to Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. Before we do, let's hear from Modern Woodman in BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going down to the Modern Woodman Phone Line. And joining me, it's Keith Carter, Ole Miss AD. What's up, man? Hey, Ben. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? You know, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there, just uh, kind of taking it day by day and, um, you know, working with the information that we have and, and certainly trying to figure out a, a safe way to uh, to get us to these fall sports. So uh, hopefully we can get there. 
All right, let's go ahead and get it out there. We having college football? Uh, my gut's still telling me that we're going to play, you know, and I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know if it's a full 12 games or an eight-game SEC schedule only or 10-game, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to play. I mean, I, talking to Shannon and, and some others around our building, I mean, I, I think we feel like we can keep our student-athletes safe, and, uh, you know, our cases have actually really gone down since that, that opening little wave of, of, of spikes that we had, and, you know, we feel good about our protocols now. Um, you know, that's kind of inside our Ole Miss athletics bubble. But, you know, who knows when you bring back 20,000 students or however many come back, and then, you you, you know, what do the fans look like in the stands and, and all of that? I think there's a lot of ancillary questions that are, you know, really hard to determine the answer to. But uh, as far as, you know, keeping our, our football players safe and our soccer student-athletes safe and volleyball student-athletes safe, uh, I feel like we can do that. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other factors that weigh into it, obviously. You probably get asked that question, uh, give or take, 150 times a day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I was actually with uh, with my son at a baseball tournament over the weekend, and, uh, you know, you're around the other parents and, you know, talking about all kinds of different things. You can tell every one of them wants to ask that question. Yeah. But they're like, I don't know if this is the right place or the right time. So finally I'm just like, you want to ask about football season, don't you? And they're like, yes, we're dying to know, you know. And so we go into it. But, you know, that's part of the job, Ben. You know, I mean, and that's what we're trying to solve. And, and that's, that's why we come to work every day is to, to, to kind of answer tough questions and solve problems. And so, um, you know, we're working hard. I just actually just got off the call with our student athlete leadership group and uh, just love that group. It's probably about 50 of our, you know, student athlete leaders that, that represent their teams. And of course they were asking a lot of questions and uh, just really good to hear from them. And, you know, what I'm hearing from, from our students is they want to play, you know, they want to play. And certainly it's our job to, to, to get them back to a safe playing, a safe playing environment or the most safe playing environment that we can. Um, but they're excited. You know, the ones that are back here in Oxford, they're excited to be back working out and, and doing those things. But, uh, you know, uh, we listen to that and certainly weigh that as we, as we make decisions. But, you know, ultimately we're going to make the decisions that are the safest for our student athletes and our staff and, and obviously our fans. I mean, of course, 18 to 22 year olds, you want to play. That's what you've been doing your entire life, but y'all got to kind of protect them from themselves in a way, right? No question. No question. And, and I think, you know, again, we, we go back to some of the conversations we've had before about bringing them back in June and all the, the safety protocols and procedures. And, and again, I think we were on top of that. I think we, you know, our staff did a tremendous job of, of implementing all of that. But even with that, we had some spikes and, uh, you know, we, we can't totally protect our student athletes once they go to their condos or, or go up on the square or go to the grocery store, you know, whatever. So um, there's just an element of, of risk and, and, you know, some of that that's always going to be there. So, you know, that's going to be our job to make sure that we're, uh, you know, assessing that risk and, and trying to figure out what we're comfortable with, what we're comfortable exposing our student athletes to. Um, and ultimately, you know, we'll have to, to make some, some tough decisions as we get a little closer to the season. I don't want to ask the same question over and over because you don't have the answer to it. So I'll ask it in a different way. If capacity is zero, could the university survive? Oh, yeah, we'll survive. I mean, we'll certainly survive. I mean, we were looking at some scenarios yesterday um, of playing football with no fans, and, and they don't look good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're millions and millions of dollars in, in losses, red, red numbers. Um, but we'll survive. Absolutely, we'll survive. And, and I don't know exactly how we're going to fund all that. We've got a, a bunch of different ideas of, of how we would do that as far as, you know, finding different revenue sources, but then also, obviously, 
you know, cutting on the expense side, but um, yeah, we would survive. And, and I think that, you know, ultimately if, if we could play uh, this year and, you know, you have the TV revenue and, and all of those things, there may be some, some more revenue opportunities there uh, to negotiate with TV if more, more eyeballs are watching this year. Um, but Ben, I think it's important. I think it's really important that we figure this out in such a manner that it, it, it keeps this problem in a one year window. You know, and I, I think if we end up, for example, playing football in the spring, while it's still an option, um, I don't think it's a great option. But, if, you know, if you play football in the spring, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're playing eight or ten games in the spring, and then you've got to turn around and play a 12-game schedule in the fall, I, I just think it starts to seep into what next year looks like. And yeah. so, um, to me, I think it's important that we play football this fall. Um, we try to mitigate risk and, and, and do it as safely as possible. But I, I just think we've got to figure this out and, and contain this issue to a one kind of a one academic year problem. And that may be not possible. I don't know. But um, to me, that makes the most sense. And you know, kind of take our hits now and, and just kind of, you know, kind of punt and, and, and go for the next series, you know, next year. So um, to me, that's important. And, and if we could play football, um, certainly would love to have fans in the stands. And then I think I think we'll end up with some fans in the stands, honestly. But if you know if it ended up being where we were just playing without fans, I, my personal opinion is we gotta we gotta play. The travel component, I think that gets a little bit forgotten in this. If you do get a season, getting the players where they need to go while also maintaining the safety protocols that you put in place. Yeah, travel's a big part of it because you know obviously a lot of our our protocols and procedures are based on our home facilities and getting them to and from their condos into our facilities and testing and, and doing all that. But you know as we've talked about, you know using football as an example. You know, usually we take we take a couple of planes or a couple of different travel groups to to a game. Well, we we basically contain that to one group, and it's it's essential personnel, obviously team coaches, uh, support staff, a few administrators um, that need to help us. You know, make the game happen and all that. And we're going to hop on a plane and we're going to go to the game, or hop on a bus and go to the game, straight to the hotel. You know, straight to the game. So I, I think that there's a way we can we can certainly uh, do that in a in a healthy manner. But, uh, you know, again, there's just so many variables. You know, you're, you're going into a new environment. Um, you know, hopefully you're the only, the only group in the hotel or in that, you know, those two or three floors of the hotel. Um, you know, and there's ways we can do that. But, yeah, I, I think that's the, the crazy part about this whole thing is there's just so many different layers to it. You feel like you get one problem solved and then it's just right on to the next one. So uh, all of that is taken into consideration. But uh, I think we've got pretty good, pretty good protocols for travel. The only question I would have would be those long plane flights because it's hard to socially distance a plane. So would neutral site games be on the table for SEC games if you had to go to a conference-only schedule? Um, you know, I don't think that's really been discussed yet. But, um, you know, I, I think anything's on the table. You know, I think that, that the interest is safely getting the games played. Right. If that means having to adjust, you know, some things here and there, I, I think that those things are, are up for discussion. But, you know, again, I, I think whether it's, you know, bus travel or, um, you know, right now, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about our, our trip to Baylor, you know, to Houston for Baylor, which obviously there's a ton, ton of variables around that game right now, uh, or even if that one's going to get played. But, um, you know, we had a, a good plan for that on, on one airplane. It was a bigger airplane, and you end up, you know, trying to, to space out the team and, and, and the staff and, and all of that. So, um, again, believe me, if, if you've got ideas, if our if the <laughs> listeners out there have ideas, you know, let us know because we, we are throwing everything on the table and, and trying to find the best uh, the best solution. 
Well, it sounds like if we got ideas, y'all have already thought of these ideas. I mean, heck, man, my whole show the other day was just built around the travel component. But heck, man, y'all have already thought about all that. And that's why you get paid the big bucks. But the season opener against Baylor, you brought it up. What is the status of that? Well, as of right now, the game is still on, you know. And uh, I've had a couple of, of uh, conversations with the AD there, Mac Rhodes and, and Pete Dursis from ESPN, talking about, you know, the possibility of the game. You know, obviously Houston is such a, a hot spot right now, and, and that's been a big part of our conversation is that, you know, can we play the game in Houston? Do we need to look for another neutral site? Do we bring the game to one of our campuses? You know, that type of thing. So you've got that whole, you know, layer of the discussion. But then, you know, what is the SEC going to do with, with conference versus non-conference? You know, where do we end up there? Um, and I think we'll know, you know, know some of those answers here in the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, as of right now, we're still on. And, and uh, you know, we're trying to think of, of you know, uh, creative ways to, to play the game and, and get as many fans in the building as we can. July 1 was the initial unofficial date for y'all to make decisions, obviously with the way cases spike going out the window. So what now is the unofficial date? Like, we've got to make some decisions by this time. Well, I think the wording that, that the commissioner used last week in his statement was the end of July. And so I think that that's kind of a, a little bit of a vague target, you know, time there. But, you know, I, I think we got a little time. Um, you know, I think what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did was was a little premature. You know, I think they came out and made those decisions. Now, obviously, they can start planning accordingly. But as far as if you're trying to salvage, you know, a full 12 games, if you're trying to get all the data, you know, all the information that you can, this thing is, is so fluid that, you know, even a day or a week can, can make a big difference. Um, I think we've got a little time. So I think end of July, 1st of August, you know, the first week of August, you know, that's probably the time frame we're looking to, to make some decisions. Where is the budget right now? Because I know you had budget cuts. I think it was 10% for all administration that makes over 100000 15% for you, the big three coaches. Where is the budget? Well, yeah, that was kind of a, a preemptive strike on, on some of this stuff. And, again, that was based on a 50% capacity in the stadium, um, you know, to be very candid. So uh, any, any amount we end up being below that in the stadium, then we're going to have to look at other other measures. So, um, again, we, we've got probably, you know, six to ten scenarios based on where we end up with, with stadium attendance. Because let's be honest, you know, that's that's where our budget comes from. And that's where a yeah. lot of the, the variation is going to be. So depending on where we end up, you know, we could be looking at more potential cuts, you know, operational cuts. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things. We, we had meetings with our, our senior staff yesterday and, and went through a lot of these, these things. And we're going to have a meeting with our coaches at some point, probably early next week to talk with them and just show them the real numbers, you know, Hey, here's, here's what it looks like if this happens, here's what it looks like if this happens. Um, and I got to give a lot of credit to our, our business office here, Angela Robinson and, and her crew and, and Fowler Staines over in the foundation. They, they've just done a tremendous job of, of really laying out all scenarios and, and what those could look like. And then, you know, obviously some, some ways we could mitigate that, um, you know, if we need to. So uh, all those discussions are happening right now. And, you know, we're hoping that there are a lot of discussions that, that go for naught, that, that we end up with, you know, 50% in the stadium or things, you know, get better. But, uh, you know, certainly wouldn't be doing our jobs if we weren't planning for everything. This is a hell of a big second issue for you to get, Keith, in your first little bit of a tenure here as Ole Miss AD. I mean, you're getting a pandemic after hiring a football coach. And now you're having to look at 250 employees in your building, and, man, you can't promise them anything. And I think the uncertainty, that's probably the hardest thing for you right now. It is. You know, I think if tomorrow, you know, the SEC decided here's what we're going to do and, and the governor said, you know, here's what our stadium capacity can be, 
um, at least you know at that point what you're working for and toward, yeah. you know. And and I think that, you know, just like with the NCAA case, the uncertainty was the issue as we were going through it. It wasn't necessarily ultimately what the penalties were going to be or whatever. It was just the not knowing. And I think that there's some parallels here. You know, there's just a lot of things that, you know, I, I see it in the eyes of our staff. I mean, we come we come to work every day and we talk about all these different scenarios and, uh, you know, one of them may be right. None of them may be right. You know, at the end of the day, and you're just, you're planning all of this stuff. And um, I, I think at some point, and again, we're almost there. I, I think two weeks from now, we're going to know a lot more. We're going to know exactly what we're dealing with, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least we know the direction that we're going to go. And, and I think all of us here will, will feel a little more comfortable once that happens. Say there's no sports. Is there any stipulation for emergency funds from the university to prop up the athletics department? Well, you know, I mean, our, our relationship with campus is, is fantastic. You know, Larry Sparks, the CFO, and obviously Glenn as, as the chancellor, they, they've been great, and, and we'll continue to have conversations about that. You know, I, I think very candidly, Ben, for, for them, uh, you know, they're kind of waiting to see, you know, what enrollment ends up looking like. You know, mm-hmm. how, how many students yeah. actually show up on, on August 24th, you know. So um, there, there's a lot of, uh, of variables in the conversations, a lot of, of different things that are unknown right now, but – um, couldn't be more excited about the relationship of, of what they've, uh, you know, been doing with us and, and talking with us about. It. And obviously, they've got, you know, a lot of a lot of other auxiliaries and departments that that are they're having issues as well. So um, they've been good to athletics, and and I, I know that those conversations will will continue to go well. I hate to keep dropping these inside baseball questions on you, but same deal. No season, shortened season. How do you handle season tickets and donations that the school has already received? Well, we actually sent out a letter uh, yesterday that, that kind of outlined what that would look like. And it would be very similar to what we did uh, during our baseball season. So, you know, we ended up playing, what, 17 games. And basically we, we gave the donors and season ticket holders the option to, on a, on a pro rata basis, you know, either get back your, your tickets or donation. Uh, you could keep those in the foundation of the ticket office and push them forward to next year. Uh, or you could just donate those and get a charitable, you know, contribution for that. So those are basically the three options. Um, you know, we, we're going to make everybody whole if they want to be made whole. I mean, we're not going to hold, you know, hold things from from people for a product that they didn't receive. And so uh, we've been pretty clear about that all the way from baseball season. We'll do the same for basketball. We would do the same, you know, et cetera, et cetera, moving on. And so we want to make sure that people understand that if they donate or they buy season tickets that, uh, we certainly appreciate that, and and you know we we know that they're going through things in their personal lives, and their jobs, and their in their industries as well. So uh, certainly we would want to make sure that uh, that they're made whole, and uh, we'll we'll do that as we move forward. Circling back to the spring season idea, it's never made sense to me because of a number of factors. One, kids that are going to be high draft picks or just draft pick eligible and think they got a chance, they're going to opt out, and then you're going to push the calendar like you mentioned. You can't start it on time in the fall because you got to give these kids enough time to not only recover, but for strength and conditioning and summer workouts. If I'm reading the room right, the SEC would prefer to avoid if it can. It's like a last resort deal. Yeah, that's like resort Z. You know, it, it, I, it's certainly there. We're not going to take it off the table. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are some things that could potentially help. Uh, you know, if, if the virus goes away by November, December, January, and, and we start up in football and we can have more fans there, obviously from a revenue standpoint, that would help. But to me, revenue is, is way down the list from that standpoint of, of why you would or wouldn't do it. And, um, you know, just, just practically for our 
athletic staff. I mean, you think about playing all of your sports in the spring. Well, we got productions. We got, you know, all these games are on SEC Network or, or digital. Uh, you know, we're getting camera crews and running video boards. And, you know, we just we only have so much capacity to do those type of things. So, uh, you know, you think about fans trying to come watch a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game, you know, softball game, all the same day on campus. And while in some ways that would be really, really cool, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways and in most ways it would be really difficult. So um, I don't think it's a great option, but again, you know, in a pandemic, you kind of just keep all options on the table and, uh, and see how it plays out. But I, I think we're going to find an option for the fall. Going to jump right back to Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and the Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market. As one of its newest sponsors, LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Look, I got to ask you, because you went out there and you actually talked about name, image, and likeness in Washington. It feels like that what this pandemic has done is laid bare how important football is. We all knew it. Uh, we gave lip service to it. But the players, they're going to have some power here. And I, I was just curious as to where you stood, if kids can start profiting off of their name, image, and likeness, and then that grows into something else to where, hey, down the line, there may be a Power 5 commissioner and there may be a union for players. I mean, where do you think this is headed? Well, I, I certainly think we're going to go down the road of, of name, image, and likeness, we're going to eventually, you know, players are going to have that opportunity to, to benefit from that. And I think they should, um, you know, I worry um, that if those, if those dollars come from the athletic department, um, that it could affect the way, you know, you know, we run our, our industry and the way that, that we support our, our student athletes, because, you know, at the end of the day, there, there is only a certain, uh, a certain amount of, of money to go around. Uh, you know, I, I personally think that, that this should be, from third-party sponsors that, you know, contract with these student-athletes, certainly working through our compliance department to make sure that everything is done the right way. Um, but, for example, if there's a, you know, student-athlete that has, has market value and, you know, a local, 
you know, retailer wants them to, to sponsor their product, well, then there's a, there's a group out there that helps our, our student athlete negotiate that deal, whether it's agents or, you know, advisors or those type of things that are all obviously sanctioned by the NCAA and, and the SEC. But uh, it, it's very complicated. But to me, those dollars should run directly from that retailer to the student athlete rather than through our athletic department. And so I think there's a way to do that. I think there's a way to thread the needle where student athletes get that benefit and, and they're able to, to earn those dollars if, if their market value is there and, and the athletic departments can support and, and help do all those things. But, um, you know, I just worry that if, if all of a sudden, you know, there's another line item in our budget that's, you know, name, image, and likeness, then all of a sudden it's got to come from somewhere. Does that mean that, you know, it's coming from, from support of, of other student athletes? I, I think that could be the case. So um, obviously there's a, a lot of conversations to continue to have on, on that, but uh, I think we're going down that road. And, and like I said, I think it's the right thing to do. We just got to find the right model. You could have made some real coin in college. A lot of 33 jerseys in the stands for you. Man, I appreciate you saying that, but I, I don't, I'm not sure that's true. You know, um, it, it's, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think that there's, um, in this time, it's a huge conversation. We, we need to figure out a model, but I'm just not sure at the end of the day, you know, how many athletes this is going to affect and, you know, could it, could it have unintended consequences? You know, all of a sudden you got you know, somebody in the locker room that's got this sweet deal with a, a local retailer or national, you know, company. And, and they're making the coin and then, you know, somebody else in the locker room is not. And there's this animosity between the two. So um, I, I think there's just a lot of layers to this. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with you. I'm going to believe you that I could have made a lot of money yeah. back in the day, Ben, because uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. A lot of signed pictures of you jumping on the scores table. I'm just saying, man, you could have made some real money. <laughs> exactly. Some high socks back in the yeah. day, maybe. You yeah. Know? Who knows? Yeah. So where are we with COVID cases? Um, you know what? We're actually doing really well. I, I think our latest count was we had uh, seven active cases, uh, five of which were student athletes that were here on campus and two that were still at home. And so, you know, we, we had, uh, had spiked up there, you know, a couple of weeks after the student athletes got back. And then uh, I think everybody realized, hey, you know, these protocols are in place for a reason, you know, and we got we to do the right thing. And, and they've been great. The last three weeks, our student athletes, our staff, Everybody's been doing the right things, not not only in our facilities, but as they're out and about around Oxford, and um, and I, and really candidly, I'm I'm hearing that from a lot of the ADs in in the SEC that cases are are going really well, and that's what gives me optimism. You know, in our bubble, you know, in our athletics bubble, whether it's at Ole Miss or Alabama or wherever, um, I think we can contain it. I think we can get our student athletes to do the right things to, you know, to to get them to the field or the court. Um, I just worry about what all is going on around us. And again, when we bring back 20,000 students here, you know, in a month or so, uh, you know, what that's going to look like. So hopefully we can continue to do the, the right things. And, uh, you know, again, on our call we had with the, the student leaders, uh, they're, they're committed. You know, they, they want to play. They want to be able to, to be in a position to, to have competition. And uh, they're doing the right things with the protocols. You hit the point. If you just look at sports in a vacuum, get rid of the politics, get rid of everything else eliminate the noise sports has kind of figured some things out if you look at the recent numbers not just major league baseball but the nba mls the numbers getting back college football like y'all are doing right now in the summer uh, workout stuff and now they're getting on field training the results are there so in a vacuum sports can return but for fans if you wanted to tell fans how they can do their part is it as simple as just hey man wear a mask whether you believe in it or not 
I think it is. And again, you know, don't want to get political at all. But to me, if if there's a chance that it helps, let's do it. You know, let's do it. I mean, I I was thinking about it. I had this conversation with my wife the other day. You know, we've had the mask ordinance here in Oxford for several months. And, you know, whether you believe it's the right thing or the wrong thing, I mean, think about how how many minutes a day you actually have to wear your mask. You know, it's not a lot. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to wear it when you run in the grocery store. You got to wear it when you get gas or, you know, whatever. If you have a meeting and we've been here at the office and and I sit in my office most of the day by myself, I'm not wearing my mask. But if I go have a meeting, I wear my mask. So it's a small percentage of the day that you actually have to wear it. Um, You know, we're going to wear ours. The Carters are going to wear ours. We're going to try to do our part. And and I I would hope that most people would. And um, we've got to do something. We've got to do something and we've got to figure out a way to. To, to not only it's not just about college football or college athletics, but it's about getting our, our country back in a good spot. And uh, it's going to take some time, but but I think we've all got to pitch in and do our part. So uh, that's my public service announcement today, I guess, from, <laughs> from Ole Miss Athletics is, you know, wear your mask and, and, uh, and hopefully we can get through this. Well, the bottom line, man, it's about mitigating risk. It's about the liability component when it comes to making the decisions. If the numbers are what they are, it's going to be hard to get football. And if that's what you want, regardless of how you feel about it, if you can possibly get some help or some relief for this virus through masks, wear a mask. That's all it comes down to. And I think everybody just wants to get football back. I mean, I think that's just where it is right now. Yeah, it kind of boils down to to, to a pretty simple idea. Like, you know, everybody wants football back. And, and uh, we all do. And, and again, I've, I've had the conversation that certainly the virus is, is uh, a huge conversation and, and the actual case is spiking. But we need to do this again for, for other reasons. I mean, we, we've got to get back to some normalcy. We've got to get our, our, our kids back in a safe environment for school. We've got to get our student athletes back here so that, you know, they're, they're back in our, on our campus and functioning at a high level academically and athletically and, and those things, mental, mental health and mental wellness and uh, you know, in K through 12 nutrition, you know, there's so many students that if they can't go to school, they're going to miss that breakfast and lunch every day. You know, they just don't have it at home. So there's just so many different components to this that you've got to think about. And, uh, you know, if I feel like, you know, my family wearing a mask is going to help that, we're going to do it. And so hopefully others will, will see it that way as well. Well, hang in there, man. I know you're busy and I appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, anytime we're going to get through this, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, there may be a few few hard days before the better days, but I have no doubt we're going to get through it and uh, be better for it on the other side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.